From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. Today, we're talking about whether or not stocks will really tank if the Democrats take control of the White House in the 2020 election. And uh, Rick, President Trump again argued recently that if he loses re-election, the stock market is going to the dogs. And at a recent (laughs) rally, he said, quote, you have no choice but to vote for me because your 401k is down the tubes. So whether you love me or hate me, you got to vote for me. Any truth to that at all? Well, I guess he's saying, I'm going to give up on you loving me. So now I have to give you some other reason to vote for me, which is that your 401k, your retirement plan is going to tank unless you vote for me. Uh, Well, to answer your question, let me go to what he said right before that. He said, if for some reason I wouldn't have won the election in 2016, these markets would have crashed. That'll happen even more so in 2020. So I guess guess what he's saying (laughs) is that the stock market under President Obama, who was in the White House for eight years, was just a total disaster. Right. You remember that. Right. The total Obama. We had eight years of that was no. That's right. What world? That's right. The stock market actually did pretty darn well under President Obama. So let's go to the numbers. Uh, I love when you go to the numbers. So has Trump been the best thing ever for the stock market? Not really. Uh, He hasn't been bad, though. That's for sure, Rick. That's hasn't true. Been bad. But let's just let's just go to the numbers. Okay, so go ahead. through uh, the Trump presidency so far, and we're about 134 weeks into his presidency. Okay. Uh, the S and P 500 is up about 28 uh, percent during President Obama's first term. During the same period of time, it was up 34 percent. During his second term, it was up 41 percent. That's just Ooh. in the same period of time. Oh, okay. So that, it's so apples that's measuring to apples, apples here. to apples. Okay. Uh, so President, the, the stock market under President Obama did better than it has under President Trump in both of his terms, both the first term and the second term. What about historically, if you look back, back? Not I'm just so glad Obama. you asked because <laughs> I just happened to have that data right in front of me. It's amazing. Uh, so we went, I mean, for people who care, uh, uh, and there are some geeks who care. I love uh, so stuff I went like all this. the way back to the first Nixon administration. So okay. and, and I did the numbers just for the stock market performance, the same point as we are in Trump's presidency right now. Uh, so again, the reference point, Trump is 28%. Under Nixon's first term, it was minus 3.4%. Under Nixon's second term, it was minus 27%. Carter's wow. first term, up 4.3%. Reagan's first term, up 22%. Reagan's second term, this is the barnstormer. Reagan's second term at this point, stocks were up 92%. Wow. That was a huge re- V-shaped was. recovery yep. from those two recessions at the beginning of uh, the 1990s. Uh, the first uh President Bush up 34 percent, Clinton's first term up 29 percent, uh, Clinton's second term, another barn burner up 72 percent. Uh, the second, George W. Bush, second Bush, down 26 percent at this point in his first term. Mm. Then he comes back for a second term up 22 percent in that term. And then we get to Obama, uh, who, who oversaw very, very strong stock market performance. Now, for all of this, uh, I maintain that the president doesn't have all that much impact on the stock market. Right. I mean, We've talked about this in the past. Sure. And really, it's very – more, sure. I would think, Congress. I would argue Congress has probably. more to do with that than the yeah. president. But I guess probably you, the Federal Reserve more than any of that, them. That's totally right. Um, the Federal Reserve is the most important um, – 
most powerful uh, economic policy organization for sure. Nonetheless, uh, I mean, this these numbers are familiar among people who mo- who are interested in geeky stuff like this. The stock market tends to do better under Democratic presidents than presidents than under Republican ones. Um, that's counterintuitive because you think of uh, maybe not in this, maybe not anymore, but you tend to think of Republicans as being more business friendly. Uh, that tend to favor lower taxes, less regulation, Democrats a little bit the opposite. But in our um, universe, now this is just going back to Nixon's first term, uh, the stock market uh, it, during this period of time where we are in the Trump administration was up an average of 36 percent for Democrats and up only about 18 percent for Republicans. Hmm. Um, I, I think that's just random. I don't think that Democrats are, are necessarily more favorable for the stock market. Or the, I don't think you can even um, reason your way into that statistic. I think that's just random. I mean, Republic, people who support Republicans might say, well, the Republicans pass the policies that don't really come into effect into until effect. Oh, okay. the next presidential administration and therefore the Democrat, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, Which we it's, say a, it's a lot. such the, a stretch either way. The president inherits whatever the economy was with the prior administration and so has to make right. do, if you will, or sometimes it works in their favor because a recovery happens under their watch. I think a lot I think of it's, it's too, that's, I think it just goes too far afield. Uh, yeah. I think this this stat, you're going to hear, you will hear this going into the 2020 oh, election. Oh, I bet. Um, I don't give it much, attach much importance I think to. another thing a lot of people do is they think, they might think it's strange that the stock market does better under a Democratic president, at least history shows, but also when it comes to taxes, right? It's usually the Republicans who want to give tax cuts and the Democrats want to raise taxes on the wealthy. And recently we just heard that the Trump administration is thinking about a tax cut, most <laughs> likely for the middle class. Do you think that 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 I would have to think the incentive there is reelection? Make good with the middle class so they reelect you. That would that seems like the only uh, incentive. Do you think it's uh, going to happen? Will Nancy Pelosi? I don't let think this it's going to happen. So there is a little history on this. Um, President Trump did briefly raise the idea of a middle class tax cut before the 2018 midterm elections. I remember. He never fleshed it out. He just said about three. It was ridiculous, frankly. He just said about three weeks before the elections. We're planning another tax cut. And this, remember, in 2018, this was just 10 months after this huge tax cut went into effect uh, that turned out not to be all that popular. So what Trump is basically trying to do is he basically asking for a do-over um, because the uh, the Republicans did not get the bump in um, polling and, and in enthusiasm among middle-class voters they thought they would get for that tax cut. And I don't think it's surprising at all. Uh, people think and the data actually supports the idea that those tax cuts disproportionately benefit businesses and the uh, wealthiest earners, um, people with the highest incomes. It does include a middle class tax cut, but it was kind of small potatoes. And a lot of people who actually got a tax cut have said, we, we've now been more than a year into this, have actually said, I don't, I didn't notice a tax cut. Mm-hmm. So even if their uh, paycheck got a little bit bigger, it was not enough for a lot of people to feel like it made a difference to them. It, but a lot of it, corporations felt the difference, right? Uh, oh, and, yeah. And they, and they oh, did yeah. things like buy back their company stock. Yep. Some of them gave employees raises. They spread the wealth a little bit. Uh, uh, they did not de- devote tax cut savings to raises. They devoted so- – some companies – and there's now been research on this too. Uh, some companies devoted um, some tax cut savings to one-time bonuses. Okay. So there was a lot of news back around that then in uh, you know January and February of 2018 about companies giving 
a $1,000 bonus or a $2,000 bonus, um, which was fine. Um, I mean, it's better than no bonus. But it was also there was it also seems a little bit cynical because the companies uh, that got this tax cut are saving money from the tax cut every year, and now that we've been through the first quarter of 2019, uh, there's been research that shows that the, nobody gave gave out unusual bonuses in 2019 the way they did in 2018. So companies are still enjoying the tax savings because that's every year they get the tax savings. Isn't it phasing out for them though? I thought no. it was I thought it was supposed to phase out. Oh no, that's another flaw with the tax law. It phases out on the individual taxpayer side. Ah. So uh, co- the way Congress wrote the law, the business tax cuts are permanent, but in order to stay within certain budget constraints at the time, they uh, chose to make the individual income tax cuts, the just those ones just for ordinary taxpayers, payers temporary. Mm-hmm. So those phase out in 2027. Um, but the members of Congress who signed onto this law also knew that when it comes around to 2027, um, if the thing is still in place the way it is now, Congress is probably not going to let it lapse and impose a de facto tax hike on all these people. Mm-hmm. So so basically, the long and short of it is you don't think we're getting a tax cut before the 2020 election. Uh, I guess there are two questions I have. Number one, will Trump propose – will actually make a serious proposal um, because the president doesn't, doesn't get to decide on a tax cut. It has to pass through Congress and become a law. Um, and if he does actually come up with a serious proposal, is there any chance it would pass? Because it would need it would need Democratic uh, support in the House. So Democrats. If the Democrats think it'll it. help his chances, I would doubt they'd vote for it. If, if he's very crafty, he could structure a middle class tax cut in a way that makes it hard for Democrats not to vote for it. Right, it would make them look bad if they did. Uh, right, um, but um, the Democrats will also ask for things of their own. So, I mean, Nancy Pelosi is no fool and she has rolled Trump in terms of the politics of this before and she could do it again. So what the Democrats might do, for example, is say, fine, we'll sign on to a middle class tax cut. We want you to rescind the business class tax cut, the mm-hmm. corporate welfare, uh, make put that tax. It went all the way down from 35 percent to 21 percent. Put that back up to 25 percent. Because uh, we need more money, and you know, by the way, uh, it's very clear that uh, federal deficits, the government def- deficit, is skyrocketing because tax revenue is not going up the way the supply side supporters that a tax cut said it would. Mm-hmm. Uh, business tax revenue, in particular, has plummeted. Um, it's down by more than forty percent, I think, so far this year. So. The, the argument by people who supported that tax cut was once we cut taxes on businesses, it's going to stimulate all this extra growth. They're going to have all this f- extra money, this found money that they're going to invest and spend on workers. And they haven't been doing that. Um, and it's not surprising that they haven't been doing that. This supply side argument has never panned out in the real world. And, um, you know, businesses don't spend money just because they have it. They only spend or invest money when they feel they can get a solid return on that investment. And that return has to be higher than the return they can get doing something else with that money. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of companies have decided, they've just decided we think the best return to our company and to our shareholders is to buy back stock. Um, So they've been buying back stock, which is not inherently a bad thing, Mm -hmm. but it was not the stated purpose of the tax cut. I mean, the Republicans did not say— And Democrats jumped all over that. Oh, yeah. They made sure that they highlighted that Some Democrats actually want to, like, ban stock buybacks or put strict limits on it so you can't do it, which is also a dumb idea. Right. I doubt that would would happen to that extent. You heard no Republicans in 2017 when they were putting this tax cut law together saying, the reason we need to cut corporate taxes is so 
uh, companies can buy back more of their stock. <laughs> right. Nobody said that. You know, in the White House, uh, yeah. the Council of Economic Advisors at the time published a report, which is still there, uh, that said we think the effect, the long-term effect of these tax cuts will boost family income by three thousand to five thousand dollars a year. Uh, through the trickle-down um, mechanism. Uh, and now they didn't put a time frame on that, mm. but we're not seeing, you know, it's already not happening because if that were to happen, the mechanism for that to happen would be these company companies are going to invest more money because they have more money to invest. And down the road, that investment, you know, opening new factories, purchasing sure. new equipment. Sure, and that is real. And that we but, do but see that But companies don't do that if the growth isn't there. Sure. I mean, then you're just you're just creating white elephant projects that you're going to have to close in five or ten years. Right. And the, and the data shows that business spending has not actually gone up. No. And if anything, they're pulling the reins on that. So let's go back to the question of your 401k. <laughs> because remember, Trump also said that markets would have tanked in 2016 had he not won. Mm-hmm. I think that's patently false. Can't prove it because uh, it's a counterfactual. We, you know, he did get elected. But if if he didn't get elected, that means Hillary Clinton would have gotten gotten elected. And if we think back to then, one of Hillary Clinton's political problems was that she seemed like Obama – point three point oh mm-hmm. right I mean like and she was I mean in terms of policies in some ways she sure. had a very hard Status time quo. distinguishing herself from Obama um, which some people thought was a problem but on the other hand things were going okay under Obama and I think there uh, you know when you looked at the things she wanted to do she had she kind of played small ball like she wanted to uh, start a new program for worker retraining. Uh, she didn't have these, you know, giant revolutionary Bernie Sanders types ideas, revamp the whole, you know, this part of the economy or that. And that's to her credit, if you ask me. I mean, she was she was relatively centrist on, in that fashion. And that tells me that markets would have, would have gone up about the same under Hillary Clinton as they have under Donald Trump. So for everybody who thinks that the Trump tax cuts have been this big um, boon to stock markets, you need to know that the tax cut law was passed at the end of 2017. So it went into effect for beginning at uh, uh, January of the calendar year 2018. The stock market peaked in January of 2018, went up for a while, went down by a lot, came back up, and right now is almost exactly where it was in January of 2018. So since the tax cuts actually went into effect, the stock market has gone sideways. Yeah. Which, so it went up. It went up the year before that, um, above where it was at the end of the Obama term, and you could argue that uh, the reason the stock market went up is because investors were anticipating that this tax cut was going to happen and it was going to boost uh, uh, corporate profits on a net basis, and they anticipated that, and that got built into the stock market in 2017. That's possible. But the growth in the stock market in 2017 and the value of the market, I should say, was comparable to what it was in 2016. Well, what so about the, the trend, banks? I the mean, trend continued from Obama through Trump's first year. And then that's when we started to get all this volatility, which has driven stocks up and down and up and down by more than normal. But on the whole, they've stayed right where they were a year and a half ago. Certainly, Trump wanting to deregulate or roll back some of the more onerous regulations on banks, I think, has helped that sector while he's been in office versus perhaps a Hillary Clinton presidency. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, It's not something I I can say I know a lot about, but I don't think a lot of Trump's uh, ideas for deregulating the banking sector have actually happened yet. So he wants to loosen, for example, some of the uh, some parts of the so-called Volcker rule. Some of the Dodd Frank has been rolled back, and that that gave banks a nice boost. But you have to wonder. I mean, the the main thing here that's 
thrown the stock market into a tizzy is Trump's trade, trade war. war. Right. And would that have happened under another another presidency? No. No, so you have that, to that's think a, not. That's so. Um, Hillary Clinton had nothing to say about um, tariffs on China. Uh, she actually uh, was a supporter of the Trans-Pacific Partnership until she honestly flip-flopped on that. I mean, she just she backed it when she was Secretary of State, and the Obama administration was basically putting the whole thing together. And she changed her mind, which she shouldn't have. She should have just said, look, I'm going to explain to you why this is in our interest because it helps us counter China. If you care about – if you're worried about what China does with its economy, this deal, which is not a deal with China. It's a deal with China's competitors uh, in Asia um, and along the Pacific – you know, the Pacific Rim nations. Um, that's in our interest and it's, and it's meant as a counterweight to China. She should have explained that to people and stuck with her stand instead of flip-flopping. That, I, would, you know, I think those reasons – I think things like that are why she lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you're, I think your point is spot on, which is we would not have a trade war if Hillary Clinton were president. Um, and the trade war right now is causing the most unrest in markets um, and it's also getting worse, not better. Um, and that is contributing more than anything to all the, uh, uh, you know, the gyrations in the but, stock you know, there market. There are some seeing. even business people out there whose businesses are being affected negatively by the sure. trade war who actually agree with the president, who say, look, it may be short-term pain now, but these are things we need to get our house in order when it comes to China. They cannot keep stealing our IP, et cetera, et cetera. And it has to happen even though it hurts now. Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, the So some say he, he's the president who had the courage to do it. The trade war with China affects um, different segments of the economy in very, very different ways. Um, most parts of the economy are insulated from the tariffs, uh, so they might be facing you know, s- slightly higher costs, but nothing that's terribly disruptive. Um, and, and to my mind, that's where you hear um, – where you do hear support for this in the business community. You don't hear it from – there are companies that are getting clobbered by these tariffs. You don't hear them saying – I'm willing to go out of business because I think this is good for the U.S. economy in the sure. long haul. Um, and farmers, I mean, we keep hearing about, and farmers are getting hurt not because of the tariffs, but because of retaliation by China saying we're just not going to buy U.S. farm products anymore. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of stories about farmers still support Trump. You know, we'll see. Um, when farmers, farmers don't know what the alternative to Trump is yet. And if it is a centrist guy like Joe Biden, he's who says, um, okay, um, I've, I was head of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate. Here's my record on China. I've been tough on China for a long time, but this is the wrong way to go about doing it. Here's a better way to go in, about doing it. Um, if farmers start to hear that, they might say, oh, I would certainly rather have that than having this whole market closed off. Right now, um, there is no alternative to Trump on trade. And this is actually an issue Democrats aren't saying a lot about. Um, because they, they don't, don't have they don't, an alternative. They, uh, they don't have a – there's not one party-wide um, clear – position on trade. I mean, some Democrats are fairly protective. Uh, that's sort of the labor union thinking from 30 or 40 years ago that we want to protect our, uh, you know, local markets. Uh, but there, but Biden is more of a centrist free trader the way Obama was. Um, so it matters who the candidate, it matters who the alternative to Trump is when you say, will farmers support Trump in 2020? I think right now it's kind of meaningless to ask them because there's no alternative. Trump has also said, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, the, I know the stock market's going down because of the U.S.-China trade war, 
And I, if I stopped it tomorrow, stocks would rally. But I'm not doing that because it's not the right thing to do. Yet, he seems to look at and be obsessed with the day-to-day gyrations in the stock market, telling us that if we don't vote for him, our 401ks are going to go, quote, down the tube. So you have to wonder if the market continues all this volatility as we move closer to Election Day, will the president's next move not be dictated by the stock market? Trump is engaged in this very ugly, awkward dance with the stock market. So when the stock market goes up and everything looks great, Trump tends to ratchet up his trade war. Then the market gets nervous and pukes a little (laughs) and Trump backs away and says, oh, I better not do that. Um, So the market seems seems to, on one hand, give give Trump permission to – to um, escalate his trade war, and then he has, and he has escalated. So new tariffs uh, going into effect on a bunch of consumer products um, in September. More tariffs coming after that in December, um, labeling China a currency manipulator. This this came after stocks during the summer seemed to re- recover and go back toward those record highs. And then Trump does that and stocks quiver and there's a big – there's a 5 percent sell-off. So, I mean, we've been in this pattern. I mean, you can actually connect the dots at this point. There's more than a year's worth of this pattern now of Trump uh, escalating his trade war, markets drop. And then nothing happens for a while. Markets look around, assess the damage. The damage isn't terrible. Markets start to march back up. Um, Trump escalates a little bit more. Then markets sell off. Then Trump comes out and basically says what I meant to say was – but the overall pattern has been Trump escalating over time and markets getting more volatile. Well, look what he did recently with Huawei, right? Extending the window there for you. Which move? I I know. (laughs) For U.S. companies to still be able to do some business with Huawei by another 90 days. I mean, so he keeps sort of buying time. And and you're right. It's sort of one step forward, two steps back with the stock market, sort of taking his lead, if you will, from the way investors react. Yeah. And um, I've done my own sort of uh, rudimentary analysis of this. And I think Trump's Threshold for pain with regard to a stock market sell-off is between five and seven percent. Um, so he doesn't freak out when the stock market it just has one bad day mm-hmm. and goes down two and a half or three percent. Um, but when there's been about a five or six percent sell-off, that's when he gets on Twitter and starts saying this should not be happening. I mean, the main number one thing he does is he blames the Fed because. He knows that all he's, well, well, he's watching CNBC. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he should be watching Yahoo Finance as well and hearing all these analysts and pundits like me say, well, if Trump weren't conducting this trade war, everything would look much rosier. Um, things are generally pretty good at a fundamental level, but everybody's worried about where this trade war is headed, which is undeniably true. Um, so every time he sees that, he gets on, you know, he's now he's he's figuring out, well, don't blame me, blame the Fed mm-hmm. um, or don't blame me, blame the news media. It's not my fault. It's it's not the fault of the trade war. The trade war is not doing it. It's the news media telling you that things are worse than they are. Um, and I guess some people believe that. But mm-hmm. I mean, um, if Trump hasn't figured this out by now, you cannot fool financial markets for very long. And you especially can't fool the bond market. And um I, the bond market is, is, is on to this. I mean, we've talked about this a lot on our air, right, is that the bonds are signaling trouble and stocks aren't sure. S- stocks are sometimes listening to bonds and sometimes <laughs> listening to Trump, right? right. They so they've got, always, they've got an angel on one shoulder and uh, a devil on the yeah, other. They shouldn't always take their cue from the bond market, but we've seen they have recently. You cannot recently. lie to the bond market. Right. Uh, and tr- I think if Trump we – will, we'll know in 18 or 20 months, but it's oh, possible. Can we stop talking about this then, do you think? 
It depends. <laughs> I mean, I believe me, I have started to consider the prospect of what if Trump loses? What am I going to do with my life oh, when I, he's no longer you'll president? Be, you'll still be and, a very busy man. Well, we'll see. We'll have plenty <clears throat> to talk about. Depends if that about. recession materializes by 2021. Uh, well, that's another podcast. But that's it's actually v- coming up soon. Trump could be making a fatal mistake, which mm. is um, the assumption that if he must, he can pull back stock markets from the abyss um, by just simply abandoning the trade war. So let's say we get a 10% or 15% sell-off. Um, Trump, this would freak Trump out because if, it's, if, if, if that lasts, he, there's no, he will not get reelected. Um, so then he, that might compel him to say, okay, okay, uh, I'm going to make a deal with China. We're, we're going to just announce, you know, make a deal with Xi Jinping, announce something, of course, whatever it is, we know he's going to say it's a great, it's the greatest trade deal with China we've ever had. I fixed everything. Analysts are going to say, not really, you didn't really fix any much, it's just cosmetic and so on. But I think he thinks that if he does that, then he will automatically save the stock market. And I just don't think that's true. But you know what? We've seen <clears throat> tweets that don't have a lot of teeth move this market, you know, hundreds of points one and way I, or the and other. And I think that is uh, probably creating a false sense of security for Trump, for Trump or a yeah. false sense of confidence that he can move the markets at will. We know that once you get into a real bear market and a real recession, uh, there's nothing the president says that can it just un- has undo to work that. Its it way has out. to. It yeah. has to. Yeah, that, uh, totally right. We just have to go through the paces, uh, and um, especially if a president has lost credibility with markets, which Trump is, in my opinion, on the verge of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's been. I think he's been lying to markets for some time. I mean, for example, he's been saying recently. Um, China's ready to make a deal, um, but I'm, I'm not, not ready. ready. I think he's mm-hmm. he's completely lying on that. China is I'd not— I don't think China has no incentive to make a deal until after the election. Unless Trump makes them an offer that's too good to refuse. Right. Um, but if he does that, then he's opening himself up to the very valid criticism that he caved to China and he put the whole economy, in At fact, risk. the whole global economy through all this sturm und drang. And what does he have to show for it? Uh, getting tough on China. The trade deficit's not going to change. Uh, there's not going to be a single new factory built because of anything he did with China here in the United States. I mean, um, so it's a camp. It can't you know, he needs to show he kept this campaign promise somehow. Yeah. by this time next year. Because the, the, the timeline is getting short. And I mean, he promised he'd bring down drug prices. That hasn't happened. I mean, there are just right. too many boxes that haven't been ticked off yet for him to show real progress in areas. And he's he's hoping that China will, will be one of them. But to get, to get back to our initial idea, which was Trump saying your 401k is going to go down the tubes. Again, give us those numbers, Rick, because that was pretty interesting. Again, sure. how, how much has the stock market, has the S&P 500 risen? From when he took office to now, which you said is 134 weeks in. Yeah. So in that time, the S&P 500, uh, which represents the overall stock market, up 28 percent. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. Not great. But not the best, right? Because when you compare right. it to other presidents. So during both of Obama's terms, uh, the first – they rose by more at the same point in time during both of Obama's terms. In Obama's first term, the stock market was up 34 percent compared with 28 percent for Trump. In Obama's second term, it was up 41 percent compared with 28 percent for Trump. So, so you know Trump what? The numbers saying, do not gotta, lie. You've got to stick with me yeah. if you want mediocre stock market performance. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there and thank everyone for listening to Ballads and Dollars from Yahoo Finance. As always, please do follow us on Twitter at Alexis TV News and Rick J. Newman. We're going to be back next week with another new episode. So in the meantime, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review this five 
Stars, please. Best podcast anywhere.